0: Welcome to the Speaking Your Lingo podcast, where my goal is to help this generation think well. My name is Shane Lingo, and you are listening to part four of a series that I'm calling Should I Become a Pacifist? Leo Tolstoy versus C.S. Lewis. If you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to parts one through three of this series to help gain some context for today's conversation. With that said, today, I'm looking forward to our conversation as I get to share my own final thoughts and opinions on the topic of pacifism and where I ultimately land on the issue. So, without further ado, let's jump in. To start, I had never really given the idea of pacifism and the doctrine of non resistance much thought prior to reading the later works of Leo Tolstoy. My only other experience wrestling with the topic actually came from my time working as a pastor in ministry because I happen to work for and actually still attend a church that is a Mennonite Brethren church. And so, as I was going through the licensing process to become a pastor, I had to read up on the history of the Mennonite Brethren Churches and their connection to the Anabaptist tradition. And so I did a deep dive into Anabaptist history and found out that they had some deep-seated roots in pacifism. And when I say pacifism, I mean how we're trying to define it in this series, because I know there's a little bit of a, again, a debate on what a pacifist is and if some would claim to use that word pacifism. Um... But ultimately, they have this belief and idea of a complete rejection of violence in the pursuit of peace. And so I remember as I was getting my license, I wrestled with this idea of pacifism because I didn't really know where I stood on the issue. But I kind of just set the idea aside and I left it there, kind of left it on the table. And then I started later on over the years reading Tolstoy And the more I read, the more I felt persuaded by his arguments and his passion for non-resistance. So I can see why pacifism is so appealing to many, including Tolstoy. And for one, it seems less morally ambiguous than all of the other options out there. If Jesus meant for his words to be understood with this simple and literal interpretation, things kind of seem black and white. Never resist, no matter what, right? Case closed. We don't have to wrestle with the moral gray areas. And not only that, but looking at the life of Jesus, he himself seemed to have lived out this non resistant lifestyle. As Tolstoy pointed out, throughout the Gospels, Jesus can be seen responding to conflict and persecution in a non violent and a peaceful manner. And this is one of the main reasons Anabaptists, including Mennonite brethren, latch on to this idea of pacifism. And that's because they're looking at Jesus's life and the life that he lived. And it seems like there's this this non-resistant lifestyle. Now, overall, I can say that Tolstoy's ideas have indeed shifted my views on non-resistance. They've definitely moved. Yet, I'm not convinced that I or anyone else should become a pacifist. And I wanna spend the rest of this episode explaining why. The first thing I want to speak to is the theme that we've talked about throughout this entire series, which is this idea of authority. And one important question that I posed at the beginning of this series was, what or who is your authority on the matter of pacifism? And I agree with both Tolstoy and Lewis that really this is a crucial question that we ultimately have have to answer. And so for me, as someone who has a Christian worldview. I also agree with both Tolstoy and Lewis that the best authority to look to for this matter is Jesus in the Bible. Although with that said, Tolstoy he doesn't necessarily hold to the infallibility of Scripture in the same way that Lewis and I do, but all three of us are looking essentially to the same who. So once we've answered the the what or the who question on authority, we have to ask, where does that authority lead us? And that being said, when looking to the Bible, I tend to agree with Lewis's exegesis of Matthew five thirty-eight through 39 over Tolstoy's. And one of the reasons for this is that Tolstoy never really seems to give any solid reasoning as to why I should interpret this passage in the Sermon on the Mount with a simple and literal interpretation. And not only that, but overall, I found that he makes many kind of these, these grand statements that he doesn't really justify with enough evidence. And there are multiple examples in the New Testament in which Jesus' words are not meant to be taken in a simple and a literal way without any qualifications. And so I agree with Lewis that Jesus' original audience would have understood the passage as, if you are angered due to violence against you, control yourself and do not strike back. Yet, I don't believe that Jesus' words negate the act of protecting oneself or others from harm. I truly think that Jesus was referring to instances of personal revenge as opposed to criminal offenses or military force. And again, if the crucial factors are injuries caused to me by my neighbor uh, or someone and my desire to retaliate against them, then Jesus would say to denounce that desire. Don't attack, don't respond in revenge or lash out in anger in that way. But once other factors are brought into the equation, I do believe that the problem is altered and it it could change our response. So here's what this, this means, that in every situation where there is a potential for violence, we have to use wisdom, we have to use discernment in order to question our own motives. And one such question we should ask is, am I responding out of a desire for revenge or am I trying to protect myself and others from harm? And the answer to this question might elicit different responses depending on the motivation you or I discover in ourselves. Now, when it comes to authority, it seems that most pacifists, they tend to focus on Jesus's words that are found in the Sermon on the Mount almost exclusively in order to support their position. Having said that, they also tend to avoid the epistles in the New Testament as well as other sections of the Gospels. And so overall, it seems that Tolstoy is often guilty of, I would say, disregarding or even ignoring whole scripture passages that tend to kind of conflict with or at least disagree with his position overall. And it seems as though he's looking for some historical Jesus that is in some ways distinct from the Jesus that's actually found in the biblical narrative. You see this not only in his understanding of non-resistance, but you also see this in his understanding of other theological doctrines as well. And so I gave some examples of this earlier on in this series as I've mentioned, he, he didn't believe in the Trinity. He didn't believe in the Holy Spirit being necessary for sanctification. Uh, he didn't believe in God slash Jesus coming incarnate for redemption. Uh, he didn't believe in the hope of eternal life. And again, many other core Christian doctrines that are that are found in the, the historical Christian faith. And throughout the Bible, there are many passages that support all of these historical Christian doctrines. And so if we're gonna use the Bible as an authority, we should not only use the passages that you know are convenient for our I for our positions or our ideological presuppositions, but we should also use those that potentially challenge them as well. Some passages that I believe need to be brought into the pacifist conversation are, as Lewis mentions, Romans 13 4 and 1 Peter 2 15. Again, when we look at these passages, we see that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter both approve of the magistrate's use of force. And if these two early Christian documents approve of the use of force, it can't be inherently wrong, right? If if both of these, these documents approve of it, and again, we're assuming that the Bible is our authority, um, that it is inspired, uh, that it is um, inerrant right? Then we have to be able to look to these passages as well. And if any portion of the Bible approves of these things in context included and all those things, um, then it can't be ultimately inherently wrong. Now, one story that Tolstoy and other pacifists point to in their defense of pacifism is the account of Simon Peter drawing a sword and striking the high priest's servant. And you can find this story in both, uh, you can find it in John 18, three through 11, Matthew 26, 47 through 56, Mark 14, 43 through 50, and Luke chapter twenty two forty seven 47 through 53. And in Matthew's account, we find Jesus' response to Peter. And he says, put your sword back into its place for all who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. And what I find interesting about this story is that Although Jesus warns Peter that there are consequences to such actions as violence, I actually see this story as supporting the non-pacifist position. And the reason for that is if Jesus really were a staunch pacifist, why would he allow Peter to be carrying around a sword with him? It would seem that if Jesus was against violence in all circumstances, including defense, he would have noticed that his closest followers were carrying around swords with them. and. It would also seem that if non-resistance in all circumstances was a core of his teaching, the disciples, they would have been aware of it. And this is, this is towards the end of Jesus's life. So why was Peter carrying around a sword at the ready in, in use for defense, right? So that's a big question I have uh, when, I, when I read that passage in that story. So overall, I don't think the authority of scripture leads me towards pacifism, But I want to switch gears and talk about another important aspect when it comes to this conversation of why I'm not convinced that I or anyone else should become a pacifist. And and that's through looking at examples of pacifism's impracticality. So when looking at history, there, there are many examples throughout history in which practicing pacifism would have seemed impractical. One such example that comes to mind is the Holocaust and the rise of Nazi Germany during World War II. Throughout the Holocaust, six million European Jews and at least five million prisoners of war were systematically tortured, starved, beaten, and murdered. And with that, it's hard to imagine that the atrocities Hitler and the Nazi party, it's, it's hard to imagine the atrocities that they could have accomplished if they were given more time with little to no resistance, right? One reason I enjoy the great writers of the 1940s is because they had to write against the backdrop of Nazi Germany. C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Victor Frankl, they have this sense of realness to their thinking that cuts through the idealism that seems to dominate many pre-World War II thinkers. I mean, these men had to grapple with real evil at a time when it simply couldn't be ignored. And so any moral conclusion we come to on the topic of non-resistance has to stand up to the test of these men's lived experiences. As a Christian pastor and theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he had to wrestle with whether or not to use force, and, or if force should be used, in order to assassinate Adolf Hitler. He then had to decide whether or not he would be a part of the conspiracy himself. And as Eric Metaxas states in his biography, Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer never arrived at his decision easily, but once he saw things clearly, he moved forward. So for Bonhoeffer, the use of force to assassinate Hitler seemed like the only option for the greater good. And it would have been, the question I guess becomes, would it have been wrong to assassinate Hitler? And when I look at the the realities of what was going on during this time period in history, I don't believe it would have been wrong. It seems like assassinating Hitler would have been the right thing to do. Another example where non-resistance seems impractical is within the context of our own civil society. If we were to live out the ideology of absolute pacifism, where we essentially, there's absolutely no violence and we respond to violence with, with absolutely no resistance. Think about what we would have to do. We would have to abolish all police forces Ultimately, the pacifist ideology would lead towards some sort of anarchy as can also be seen in Tolstoy's outworking of his non-resistance. And so we'd have to get rid of all police forces. And so the question becomes that I would have for many pacifists, is is that what we're supposed to do? Are we supposed to get rid of all policing? And then what would our society ultimately look like? But if you say that, no, we shouldn't get rid of our police force then you're saying that police, a police force is permitted. And so if police are permitted to use force to protect others, it would also seem on a moral level that everyone should be permitted to do the same. And so I don't see how we can separate, I don't see how you could separate the two. But these examples, they bring up another challenge that is posed by Tolstoy and other pacifists. And this challenge comes in the form of what I believe to be a common misconception, that misconception being that they actually equate violence with evil. Romans 12 21 states, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And it would it would be a stretch to take this passage and to correlate it to all forms of violence. It seems like there are numerous occasions or occurrences that we find within the Old Testament where violence is essentially justified. And if violence has ever been justified by God, then it can't be inherently evil in itself. And so this would point us towards the conclusion that there is such a thing as just war um, or as just violence. Again, one such example that I would I would point back to is World War II. And that's not to say that all of the tactics used in these countries were, or by these countries that were involved in this war, even on the, the side of the Allies, were were good tactics or just tactics but that their fight overall or their fight as a whole was ultimately just well before we move on to the last thought on pacifism it's time for the quote of the day and today's quote of the day is a little bit different because it comes from a movie so the goal would be for you to be able to guess either the movie or even the characters themselves from the movie and so this is a dialogue between three people that, um, that show up in this movie. I don't wanna to give too much away. And I'm gonna read the dialogue between these three characters. As always, as I read it, guess who said it? Character one, when we were young men and we saw injustice, we fought it. Character two responds, now we know that some problems cannot be solved with a sword. And character three responds to that, and some cannot be settled Without one, take a moment, think about it, guess the movie, or guess who said it. Okay, if you guess the movie is "The Man in the Iron Mask," you are correct. The Man in the Iron Mask was made in 1998. It starred Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, and Gabriel Byrne, and uh, it was it was directed also by Randall Wallace. And so this conversation between these three men, these these three close friends who have a long history together and you have Aramis, and he's the one that starts the conversation with, when we were young men and we saw injustice, we fought it. We did something about it is what he's saying. And D'Artagnan, he responds, now we know that some problems cannot be solved with a sword. In other words, what D'Artagnan is saying is there's some situations that a sword won't fix, it'll actually create more problems. And I don't necessarily disagree with with his response. But then Athos comes in, and he's someone who has experienced a lot of pain uh, in his lifetime and the, the passing of his son. And he responds by saying, and some can't be settled without one. And I think that last statement holds true. There are some conflicts where force must be used. I just don't see any other way around it. Force needs to be used in order to stop the harm from being done or more harm will be done to you or others. Now, I want to move on to this last idea that I think is important for our conversation today when we're talking about this idea, especially since I don't land on the traditional, non, or the traditional pacifist position. And so the idea I want to talk about is this idea of pursuing peace. Because one of the things that I appreciate about many pacifists, including Tolstoy, is their passion and commitment to pursuing peace. And although I'm not against the use of force in any and all situations, I do believe that we're called to pursue peace. Jesus' words in Matthew 5 and his actions throughout his life speak to this reality. The Apostle Paul stated, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's in Romans 12.18. So we're called to go as far as we can go to create peace in our relationships. And I I think this still holds true. This means showing grace and kindness to those who do not deserve it. This also means we should never take revenge into our own hands. So if violence is used, it should only be used with the goal of peace in mind. In other words, if force is needed, one should use as little force as possible in order to accomplish the goal of preventing harm. But the goal is still ultimately peace. One way of saying it is, you could say it this way, use force as a last resort. And so I like to think of violence in the context of a surgeon who is performing surgery on a cancer patient. You know, there, there may be a scenario in which a surgeon has to cut or cause some sort of damage to someone in order to remove a tumor. And the goal of that operation is not to cause damage to or to harm the person, but ultimately to save them. And yet the byproduct of the surgery can cause some harm or damage to them. Some damage is actually done, but that's not the goal of the operation itself. And it's the same with violence against someone. The primary goal is never to harm that person, but it may be a byproduct of striving for a greater good. And so that good could be as simple as stepping in to protect a child or children from some sort of harm, uh, or that could be also protecting one's country from the force or harm of another country, right? And so there's just times where we have to be able to step in to stop the harm, but the goal is still ultimately to pursue peace. I love what GK Chesterton says about this idea. He says this, The true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. And so the reason we choose to use violence is not out of revenge, but really out of a righteous protection of the things that we love. And so when I look at this overall, it seems that Tolstoy has been led astray by what I would say are unjustified assumptions in an abundance of passion. Lewis actually spoke to this idea that that some people have a hard time seeing self-evident inferences, not because they couldn't see them, but due to, and these are his words, a refusal to see resulting either from some passion, which wants not to see the truth in question, or else from sloth, which does not want to think at all. And so when I look at Tolstoy, I don't believe that Tolstoy could be charged with not wanting to think. He was a thinker. But there is a chance that his passion did not allow him to see the truth in this situation. So to conclude today's episode, should I become a pacifist? I do not believe that Christ's words command it. I do not believe that history ultimately makes sense of it. And so there may be instances where force should be used for the protection of oneself or the protection of others. And yet, I do believe at the same time I hold in the other hand that Christians are called to never take revenge and to strive for peace in their relationships. Now, as we wrap up today's episode, you might be listening to this and have some questions or challenges to my view. And if that's the case, I want to hear those questions and I want to I want to hear those challenges. You can always reach out to me at speakingyourlingo.com on my contact page and send those questions there. And I would love to read them and hopefully be able to respond to those questions. With that, this is going to wrap up our series on pacifism. And again, this might be one of those series where you leave with more questions than you actually entered uh, into the series with. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing. So my encouragement to you is to, to go read and to go do some more research on the issue. And so I'm excited because we have some great topics lined up for our next series And so I want to encourage you to make sure that if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speaking Your Lingo uh, in order to get all the updates when the next things are coming out. But lots of ways to connect either through the website or through social media. With that said, that wraps up this series. It's been a ton of fun getting to talk about and tackle this topic of pacifism. Until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.